morning, everyone. Thanks, Sue. It's great to have you here. Quite a funny thing is um, my sister was high die. My sister was over a couple of weeks ago in the holidays. And she said, oh, I'm just going to go and see um, a friend who's moved to Bathurst, Sue and Adam. I was like, hey, who would that be? <laughs> and it would be you. It's like, gosh, the people who you have connections with. It's amazing. So, Philippians, we've been kind of loosely following this little book um, by, written by Nikki Gumbel, which is just tracks through Philippians. Um, and Philippians is one of my favourite books of the Bible. And so I've really been enjoying it. I've read this a few times, actually. It's fun to go through with people. It's fun to just kind of delve into our own faith a little bit deeper. But so far, we've... We've discovered that in because of Jesus that we have a new heart, we have a new purpose, and we have a new attitude. And so I, I think, you know, just with those three things alone, we definitely have a life worth living. Um, you know, there's the, in that, you know, it's like, well, this, this life that I have now, it's definitely worth living. It's worth living well. Um, but we also know that, you know, it is – that gap is very real <laughs> that we're talking about. And none of these things that we've received is actually because of anything we've done. Like it's not that we've actually found our own new heart or we've found this new purpose in life or we've, we've suddenly sorted our attitude. It's, 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 it's really just because of that victory that Jesus – gave us in his death, in his resurrection, that we can have these things. And um, But there is a next step to that. <laughs> you know, there's when we have those things, like, what do we do with them? Like, what do they mean? How do we, how do we apply the fact that we've got these new things in our world? How do we put them into effect? And... Our next kind of chapter is called New Responsibilities. And that sounds really, really formal and scary. <laughs> it's like, okay, now I've got these new responsibilities. I have to get on with my life. <gasps> and um, that's just horrible <laughs> because that's so not the way God wants to see it. The whole world, word responsibilities, it really just comes from the word response, doesn't it? You know, responsibilities, response, those word connections. Um, so hopefully what you actually hear is that now I have a new heart. How's it going to respond in a new way? How is it going to take up this, this new sense of the world around me? And, and what's it going to do with that? So let's read our passage in Philippians and see what Paul has to say. Philippians 2, starting from verse 12 to 18. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence but now much more in my absence, Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. 
For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labour in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of com coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. What a heart. What a heart we see in Paul. I, gosh, he loves those Philippians. He, he just, he really, he just really loves them. And it's not just that they're a church he's planted and that he's got a, he's got a responsibility towards them. His heart is invested in them. He sees them as friends and he, he sees that his world is also wrapped up in their world. And he wants more for them than, than just, you know, just following on the rules. He wants them to really grab hold of this new life and run with it. To, to bring it into their world in a real way, not just because of what he's done for them, but because of what has transformed in their whole life. You know... Sometimes we find that, you know, when we're together with people, you know, particularly in church or it might be youth group or life group or what, whatever it happens to be, like it's so easy to get inspired. It's so easy to go, yeah, I'm going to make those changes. That, that really, really spoke to me today. But then when we go home, <laughs> that gap becomes really apparent. And it's sometimes really hard to carry on. Paul understands that. He understands that in the Philippians. He knows that, you know, he's not there anymore. He's not taking youth group. He's not, he's not this, you know, on this adventure of a new church plant or a new building or whatever it happens to be the latest excitement in church. He knows that he's away now. He's detached from them. And... And they're on their own. And he knows that that is hard. But he wants to encourage them. He wants them to, he wants them to keep going, to see what's beyond just um, what he can sow into them, but to actually start discovering what has been sown into them, what it is that Christ has changed and transformed into them and unpacking that in them. He knows what's that, what that is. And so he says in verse 12, he says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you've always obeyed, you know, they got it right when he was there. <laughs> Not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Keep going. Keep going 
He reminds them that they're not alone in that space in verse 13 because it's God who's working in them. It's God who's giving them the desire and the power to do what pleases him. It's it's not them. It's that gap filler (laughs) that Jeff was talking about this morning. This thing that, you know, don't just be Christian. Don't just do this good life because you've got the the knowledge or you've kind of got it all sorted out for yourself. Tap into that power that takes you to another level of where God's calling you, of where he sees you. And that verse is for us too. This book is not just for the Philippians. It's for us too because it's, We need to know that. We need to know that God is working in us, that when we discover him, when he's changed our life, when he's given us that new heart and purpose and everything, that he is working in us, despite what we might think sometimes, despite what we might feel sometimes, God is doing something in us and we need to keep believing that and trusting him with that. Our life is worth living and it's worth living well. So taking hold of these things, how do we respond? Where do we go with this? And Paul starts to unpack these three different areas that that we can kind of take this into. He talks about our own life. He talks about the things that we can respond to in our own life. He talks about the things we can respond to in the world around us, our society. And he talks about the way we can respond in our own community, our church. And when we, um, when we look at our own lives, it's really easy for people, for us, for humanity... We're very good at defaulting to shifting the blame. You know when things go wrong and we might look at our life and we look where we've ended up and we go, ah, it's because it's because of the government. You know, all those lockdowns, I'm, I'm in this space because of them. It's, it's, it's because of the ancestors, because of all that stuff that happened before us. It's because of my spouse. It's because of my kids. It's so easy for us to shift the blame. There's nothing new in that. I think, you know, it was maybe back in Genesis, something like that happened. Oh, it was Eve. It was her fault. No, it wasn't. It was the snake's fault. (laughs) You know, it's... (laughs) It's so easy to shift that blame. But in our own life, we actually need to take responsibility for it. Yes, things have happened to us. Yes, things may have happened as a consequence of other things going on. But I have my own life and I have my own way of responding to it. And how I respond matters. 
and how I respond makes a difference of whether I'm just living or if I'm living well. And Paul really encourages us to live well. He nurtured the Philippians to look this way too. You know, he said when he was with them, they were fed well. But now they had to grow up. They had to stand on their own two feet, not lean on him, Paul, but to lean on something else beyond him. You know, there's a book called Hebrews, and the writer of Hebrews also gets quite passionate about this because the people he's writing to are not doing this. In Hebrews 5 verse 12, it says, For this time you ought to be teachers. Hmm, maybe we should all be teaching. <laughs> we should all be teachers, all of us. Every single one of us should be able to stand up and walk into a classroom. We actually should. <laughs> That's what Hebrews reckons, the writer there. But he goes on, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you've come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes only in milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature, who because of practice have their senses trained to discern good and evil. This guy, some people think it was Paul, we don't know who wrote Hebrews. <laughs> you know, he just was really sad. These people were stuck with the basics. They hadn't moved on. They should have got it more. They should have been just delving in deeper. But they were just relying on someone else to feed them. Someone just to drip feed the good stuff, the sweet stuff, the nice stuff, the easy stuff. But that's not going to grow us. That's not going to develop those grr, chewing muscles in our mouth. <laughs> we're just drinking milk all the time. You know, why do we progress our babies onto solid food bit by bit to grow them, to develop them, to bring more nourishment into their bodies, more than what one person can give them? We need to progress in our walk too. In our own life, we need to respond to this new heart and, new, and this new purpose that, that what Jesus has done in us by starting to dig deeper, to go a little harder, to not just pick up my favourite book, <laughs> Philippians, and read it over and over, but maybe get stuck into another one. Maybe just kind of try and unpack something different. Paul talks about this as like working out our salvation. It's not working for our salvation. This is not the bit that gets us saved. This is like unpacking it. It's like, so what does it look like in my life, this salvation thing? How do I unpack it? What does the Bible say about it for me to respond to? How am I going to be different because of what Jesus has done? What routines and habits am I going to 
just establishing my world in order to make this happen. Now, we did a whole series on going slow and talking about all those amazing disciplines and all sorts of things. So if you've forgotten all of that, go back and find it. I think there's even a Lifefield Academy course on it. But the point is, it's us. You know, my parents are not enough. What they do or did is not enough for my faith. My church, as fun as it is, as great as it is, it's not enough for my faith. My husband's not enough for my faith. My youth group, my, well, if I had my life group, (laughs) they're not enough for my faith. I need to connect with God for my faith and for my life to make it really worth living. So that's our first one. (laughs) Got that one? The next area Paul takes them into is our society. Now, Paul talks about his society around him deteriorating. He called it warped and crooked generation. It's pretty severe, isn't it? And sometimes I think we probably feel the same occasionally. But, you know, it's, it's, um, it's good to remember they've never actually been the good old days. Don't think back and go, oh, back then it was better. I'll read you something Nicky Gumbel has in his book. It says, I see no hope for the future of our people. If they are dependent on the frivolous youth of today, sorry, youth, For certainly all youth are reckless beyond words. Sorry, Brad and Sarah, this is what you're dealing with. (laughs) When I was young, we were taught to be discreet and respectful of elders, but the present youth are exceedingly impatient of restraint. Hmm. That sounds like today, doesn't it? When do you reckon it was written? (laughs) Try the 8th century BC. (laughs) Greek poet. I just wonder how we made it this far, if that was the situation in the 8th century before Jesus. Like, (laughs) there's nothing new under the sun, Solomon says. There's nothing, is there? We are all the same. We are human. So we need to find in Jesus a way to respond to our society, which is fresh, which is new, which is the way, oh, surprisingly enough, He responded to his world. And what does Paul suggest we do? Well, verse 14, he says, don't grumble and argue. (laughs) Do everything without grumbling or arguing. We do hear a lot of that in our world around us. And he says in in the second half, verse 15, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly onto the word of life, or what some translations say, hold out the word of life. Don't grumble and argue, and hold out the word of life. That's how we can respond. That puts us in stark contrast to our world. That's that's what Sue does. (laughs) She holds out the word of life shows life, shows a new way of doing life. 
the opposite of grumbling is praise and thanks. And Paul is so good at that. He just, he puts that all through his letters. You know, right at the beginning when he writes to the Philippians, he says, I thank God every time I think of you. How cool is that? He thanks God. And he says, I like to rejoice always in chapter 4 when we get to that. Like that's the way to live life, to rejoice, to give thanks, to be thankful for the people around us, to value them, to love them and to let them see that because that's living the word of life in us and holding it out to them, not to be ashamed of it, but to speak it boldly and proudly because this is the hope that we have for our world. When everything else fails, as it will, the word of life will remain. And, you know, just as that writer in Hebrews said that we should all be teachers, (laughs) it is our responsibility, it's our privilege to be able to take that, each and every one of us. And you know that gap Jeff was talking about? (laughs) You might feel that that's there. It is possible. Don't see it as outside of you, as outside of possibility for you to speak and bring that. It may not be here. It may not be in a school. But every one of us can hold out that word of life to our society around us. The last area that Paul really wants to encourage us in is the church. You see, Paul wasn't in it for himself. You know, he really, he took seriously the role he had to play in the wider body. It wasn't about him. He saw that the sacrifices he made and the effort he put in was actually to get the whole team across the line. It was not so he would look good. You know, he says, then I'll be able to boast in verse 16. But it's it's not a proud boasting. It's a boasting that's like going, wow, look at my family, they're here. He says, then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labour in vain. But even if I am being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I'm glad and rejoice with all of you. Because in church, we discover that, that we all have a part to play in the lives of each other. I'm not, I'm not just here for that amazing coffee, Belinda. Thank you. <laughs> I'm not just here for this worship, like that I can just sit here and just forget everything. It's not just so my kids can be looked after and, you know, you get the picture. (laughs) It's not, I'm not here so that everyone else can serve me. I'm here as a part of a community and, and I have a part to play. And there's a place for every single person in this body. 
And we may feel like sometimes that we're not capable or we're not worthy. We're not. Jesus makes us worthy. He makes us capable with the Holy Spirit. And it may cost us time. It may cost us finances and it may even cost us pride. But it's no longer about what we think of ourselves. It's what Jesus is doing in us. And even if I am poured out and worn out sometimes, it does happen. I will rejoice at the lives impacted. So I'm just wondering as we finish, worship team, do you want to pop up? We forgot to talk about this. <laughs> let's keep going, all of us. Like let's take hold of new hearts and purpose and attitude and all those things and let's begin to respond to them in, our, in ourselves, in our society, in, in, in our church. Let, let's take hold of those things and just see what is bubbling up inside of us. We have been given such an amazing gift. Like it blows my mind away when I look at my life and I think back sometimes to what it could be, what it, what it could have been if I didn't take that one step where I could have been. And I just am so thankful that, that God showed himself, that God opened my eyes and, and I got to meet Jesus. When we've come to that place, we, we have a new life, we have a, we have a new start, we have a new freedom. Whatever has happened in the past, it, it's, it's no longer going to hold us down. Like, yes, sometimes there's practicalities that have to be worked out because of their past. But our position has changed. We've been adopted into a new family. And that family does things differently. The family trusts us. And it's offering us a chance to show us who we are now. Who we're becoming. Who God, the Father, sees us as. And that's a privilege. And we need to think, what am I going to do with that? How am I going to respond? So I'd just like to take a moment now and just, just close our eyes and just have a think. Just listen to what's inside and think, oh, how am I going to respond? For my, you know, what is my response for myself? Is there something I need to shift for my society, for my church? And as we close, I'd also like to offer that, that anyone here who doesn't feel like they have that new life yet or that fresh start, who hasn't said, Jesus, I believe you and I want to follow you, you can take that opportunity now. 
Jesus himself says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. These new responsibilities are not a burden. It's our heart shifting and changing to him. And that's what Jesus offers. He'll take you on that journey. A new way to do life. A way to do it well. He'll walk with you and show you. It just starts to coming to him. So while everyone is just here, just seeing how we respond, if that's you this morning, that today wants to come for that first time, I just encourage you to stick your hand up in the air. Say, <laughs> so, yep, that's me. This morning I want a new start and I'm going to take it now. So anyone who'd like to respond in that way this today? We're going to pray. Jesus, we just thank you so much. We thank you for all that you give. We thank you for life. Help us to listen to our hearts and respond to you.